Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Welcome to this Sunday edition of Heritage Bible Radio, where this week we started a new expository preaching series through the book of Mark. Pastor Jim's first message to get us properly introduced to the Gospel of Mark begins with chapter 1, verse 0. This is to get us oriented with what happened in Israel over the 400 years that passed between what's recorded in the book of Malachi in the Old Testament and the incarnation of the Christ during the Roman Empire. There are some new characters who came on the scene since Old Testament times, and we'll get to know who they are as we step into the New Testament. In this last segment, Pastor Jim will introduce us to the Jewish groups who opposed Jesus during his earthly ministry. These were known as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In today's segment, we'll answer questions like, who were they? What did they believe? What did they disagree on? And what did they agree on? And furthermore, what connects the Old Testament book of Malachi to Mark? Here is today's slice of the message entitled, From Malachi to Mark. So if you want to keep track between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, remember the Sadducees don't believe in life after death. That's why they're sad, you see. Okay? You'll never forget it again. All right? That's group number three. Group number four is the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees trace their roots to the Maccabees, okay, remember them, who opposed the forces of Hellenization, who opposed the, the guys that were messing with the temple. Their name probably means separated ones based upon the fact that they separated themselves from the official religious establishment. They didn't really want to be the political ones, but they had to work with the Sadducees. They, uh, they wanted to be more spiritually separate, if you will. Now, even though there were only about 6,000 card-carrying members of the Pharisee party at the time of Christ, their influence was very powerful. The Pharisees were the ones who shaped the thinking and the practices of most Jews in Israel at that time. Their compatriots were the scribes, the experts in the Old Testament and all of the writings and oral traditions and opinions of the rabbis. The Pharisees had a rule for every situation in your life. As a matter of fact, they had rules about why you shouldn't do things that you would have never thought of doing if you didn't hear about the rules. Okay? We have modern versions of Pharisees today. Theologically, the Pharisees were the absolute opposites of the Sadducees. Not only did they accept every word of the Old Testament Scriptures while the Sadducees rejected all but the writings of Moses, they also added to it a massive collection of oral traditions and opinions of rabbis. Their reasoning was they wanted to make sure that they didn't break any laws of God. So they made up rules 
that would keep people away from getting near any situation which might cause them to get close to someone or somebody that could possibly lead to them being tempted to break a rule. The essence of legalism is adding to Scripture. And the Pharisees were really good at it. They were masters of legalism. In their, in their misplaced, overdone zeal to be obedient, they amassed such a hodgepodge of do's and don'ts that they completely missed the point of the Word of God. They perverted the beauty of, of Judaism into a system of works righteousness. And they put this spiritual load of bondage on the average Jews of Jesus' day. The Pharisees controlled most of what was taught in the synagogues because the Sadducees wanted to sit around and enjoy all their pomp around the temple. The Pharisees influenced the people. Now, the Pharisees opposed Jesus more often and more openly than anyone else. Matthew, the gospel that was targeting Jews, mentions them by name more than any other gospel. When you see John refer to them, he usually just calls them the Jews because John's audience didn't know all the distinctions of all the different parties within, uh, within Judaism. There was only one thing that the Pharisees and the Sadducees ever agreed upon during the time of the New Testament. They agreed that they had to murder Jesus. Those are the four main groups in Israel. The Essenes, the Zealots, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. That's the who's who among the Jews. Now, it's near Christmas, and you'll soon get a refresher course in that major player, Herod the Great, and the others that are involved in the birth of Jesus. But... When we get to the Gospel of Mark, you're not going to have Christmas. He doesn't even mention the details of the birth of Jesus. Matthew and Luke give it in detail. John gives it in a theological version. Mark just kind of jumps in to the events. Mark is the shortest Gospel, the the fast-paced one, and we're going to see that when we get there. But I want you to understand, as we go from Malachi to Mark. The last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, predicts the man who was chosen by God to break that 400-year drought of prophets in Israel. He was the prophet John the Baptist. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 is where we read about The prediction, behold, I am going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. And then how does the Old Testament actually close? Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet. Doesn't say John the Baptist. Maybe working through Mark, we're going to figure out the connection between Elijah and John the Baptist. But there was the promise that Elijah would come. I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. And how does Mark begin? I threatened to read a couple of verses to you. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, then he's going to quote a combination of Malachi 3.1 and Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Behold, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's from Malachi to Mark. So we covered 430 years just this morning. Now we're going to spend Lord knows how long on the next three and a half years in the life of Christ. What should you take away from these things? Well, my my goal here is that you would have the right perspectives as you begin to look at the Gospel of Mark, as you begin to look at the New Testament in general. First, I'll say it again. Above all, know God is sovereign. He is in control despite anything that man does. He is always trustworthy. He is always good no matter what happens in the world. Secondly, understand, everything happens on schedule in world events, just as God decrees it to happen. Acts eleven twenty six, I think, is He decrees all the boundaries and habitations. In other words, how long and how far will be the influence of every single country. When things are going well, when things are going badly, when you see um, a society like ours becoming, becoming more and more polarized, understand God is in control. Understand thirdly that liberals and ultra-conservatives are equally likely to be offended by Jesus Christ. My friends, do not hitch your wagon anybody's political agenda. The kingdom of God will not arrive on Air Force One. I mean, we've just, we've gotten farther and farther that no matter who we elect now, it seems that it's more and more extreme than the one before him. We have a president now that governs by tweet. I mean, we're not getting better. Okay? Don't hitch your wagon to that. Don't put your faith in that. Don't make that your number one earthly priority. You are here as an ambassador of a foreign government. The kingdom of heaven. And it's coming. And it's going to be great. And meantime, nearly everyone across the political spectrum is going to be equally offended by Christ. Only those who are willing to face their own sinfulness and pride can ever embrace the wonderful gift of eternal life that Jesus brings. And you're going to see what John the Baptist was preaching when he showed up. Lord willing, next Lord's Day, when we actually crack open the Gospel according to Mark. That's Mark chapter 1, verse 0 that we have completed today. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your majestic sovereignty. Thank You for Your grace in which we stand. Thank You for sending Your Son to die that we might live. Thank You for the riches of Your grace showering upon us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
O Lord, through your word and by your spirit. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.